Hey, Hawkeye fans, Chad Lysico of the Des Moines Register, Tyler Tashman of the Des Moines Register, uh, with our usual Tuesday Hawk Central podcast, recapping player availability and Kirk Ferentz availability. Interestingly enough, this was our first player availability on a Tuesday for three weeks because we uh, it was before the Minnesota game was the last time this happened. So because we uh, were boxed out last week after the Brian Ferentz news and, and Kirk uh, Ferentz took away players. So uh, well, actually, there were it was the week after Minnesota. You just weren't there. No, I know. I said Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, like a game, oh, oh, gotcha, game week availability. Yeah, so, gotcha. uh, yeah, yeah. Come on, new guy. Let's go. Let's get with the program. You would think with these ears I would be able to hear, but <laughs> apparently not. Anyway, uh, <laughs> certainly I feel like at least this week, like there's not a bombshell bit of news. So we kind of have some flexibility in terms of where we want to lead the discussion. But Tyler, I feel like first off today, uh, I'm pretty concerned about the health of the offensive line. Uh, didn't get a lot of clarity on that today, but I think it's something we should discuss heading into the Hawkeyes matchup with Rutgers. How does it? I mean, it, how does it feel not having like a bombshell news for like it? It feels like a. It is weird. Yeah, it's kind of slow. Like, <laughs> no. Of course, we could get the Noah Shannon thing tomorrow. Right. But for right. now, so I, I might be speaking too soon. Yeah. But, for um, now, not much is going on. We might get to one decommit later in the show. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, O-line. Um, Speaking of O-line. Yeah. No, I think that actually Tyler Ellsbury was probably one of the more unsung kind of guys overlooked parts of that game against Northwestern because to be able to come in in a tough spot with Logan Jones going down, who I think has been really good and, and made improvements since last season, but you can't start a play without the center. And I know that sounds like really simple and all, but um, – Things can get bad quickly, and I think the fact that we didn't, you know, we didn't see, we honestly probably didn't even notice that much of a difference after Logan Jones came out. Which, um, if you didn't notice it, then is is it positive when you talk about switching a center? And so I thought he did a really good job coming in, and, and you know, there weren't any snapping issues or anything like that. So um, it feels like Kirk Ferentz has talked about. He feels like they have more depth of guys that can contribute and it, it feel you know Iowa has stayed pretty healthy on the offensive line but uh it really got tested in that game against Northwestern and it felt like you know they they performed you know pretty well well I mean the I guess the latest is you know Iowa loses four linemen from that game to injury which ones will be back? We know Bo Stevens will not be back. Uh, that was pretty clear today. Uh, but the other three, Kirk Ferentz saying up in the air. So let's kind of go left to right. Mason Richmond at left tackle uh, was replaced by Nick DeYoung because uh, Richmond was struggling with some lingering injuries. Uh, and then Rusty Feth went out early in the game, replaced by Bo Stevens, who looks – I mean, it looked like a knee injury to me. Based on the film, uh, he gets carted off. Uh, Feth comes back into the game, but apparently I mean, he was in a sling afterwards. So uh, he was obviously just kind of taped together and and trying to finish that one out. So those two guys certainly, I mean, Feth, total question mark this week. And then Logan Jones, uh, you know, had a leg injury, hobbling around, came back very briefly, but uh, couldn't go. You could see it on the on the film. Uh, he tried to go, couldn't. So uh, he was in a boot after the game. So um, 
you know, will those guys be be available? Uh, I guess let's, as you say, start with the positive. I think Tyler Ellsbury could fill in pretty easily at either center or guard. Uh, you know, I thought he – that was something I asked uh, Ference about today, and uh, you mentioned it too. Ellsbury at least kind of went out there in his his first real – is his first real big moments at center and, and did a nice job. And, um, you know, they had some snaps on their own goal line too. I mean, think about that <laughs> snapping from your own one inch line uh, a couple times. And, uh, you know, that's, that's important, obviously. So, uh, at least that's some depth there. Uh, the good news is Connor Colby and Jennings Dunker good to go. So you, you at least you feel okay about the right side of the line currently, uh, how do you think the the other three spots will line up Saturday when when we see them around one uh, thirty? It, it's hard to forecast it. And the other thing I worry about too, with say Rusty Feth can go, but uh, you know Logan Jones can't, or you know one or two of those guys can go, but the other can. It's just the cohesiveness of the unit because a lot of it is communication. And if those guys just simply haven't played a lot together as a unit of five, um, you know, I wonder just how much that, you know, that could impact things. And also, which is, I was offensive line and they've improved since last season. They're not, they haven't been great this season, but um, so much is, it feels like is reliant on them because of how bad the passing game has been because Iowa has to run the ball basically uh, to move the ball down the field. Now, you know, you hope that Deacon Hill can improve and, and that pass to Caleb Brown, uh, Drew Stevens probably isn't in the in position to kick the game winner. If it wasn't for that play, that was a massive play. And it showed Deacon Hill in spite of how erratic he can be, he was showing up at the right time, but I was going to have to run the ball to put itself in a position to win. And if the the offensive line isn't moving the line of scrimmage like it needs to be, then you go from being a one-dimensional offense to a no-dimensional offense. And that's a, that's a real concern to, you know, to me as uh, you know, the last three regular games, regular season games of the season is, you know, Iowa doesn't beat Wisconsin without the play of its line and LeSean Williams, uh, and they probably don't against Northwestern either. So uh, maybe not so much the health, but just that ability. Whoever's out there has got to kind of come together and find a way still to uh, give give whoever's back there, you know, running the ball a chance. Well, we talk about playing to strengths all the time. And if you look at the strengths of the linemen who are healthy, um, you know, Dunker and Colby obviously um, – Really good run blockers, uh, still working, you know, not necessarily A-plus pass protection just yet. Nick DeYoung, also much better run blocker than he is a pass protector. And Mason Richmond is a better pass protector, but he's hobbling now. So uh, do you kind of lean into, you know, Tyler Ellsbury also, you know, better in the run? So you, you almost need to think about, you know, you know Tyler Ellsbury is 6'5", 3'12". You put him up front, DeYoung up front, Ellsbury, Connor Colby. I do think that's a recipe for trying to run the ball against a Rutgers defense that is very uh, tough to run against, no question. But uh, that certainly seems to be the way I was going to have to go because they just don't, you know, rewatching that, that Northwestern game, they're really trying to make every throw uh, very safe for Deacon Hill. Uh, he ends up 10 for 15 in that game for 
not many yards, but at least the percentages were higher. And at least with LeSean Williams, and we're going to get to running back here in a little bit, at least with LeSean Williams, you're getting at least a couple yards each time because he runs so hard and between the tackles. And I think that's what Jazzian gives them as well. But again, we're going to get that in a minute. So I guess I'm going to say DeYoung's probably going to have a spot somewhere just because he's healthy, ear healthy ish. You know, he had that elbow issue earlier in the year. And then I, I mean, I'd like to see Ellsbury out there again, whether that's center or left guard, just because he's healthier. He proved himself the other day. I feel like you just want guys that are, you know, healthy out there for now. Um, and we'll see about Richmond. We'll see about Jones. We'll see about Feth. But I would kind of lean towards the healthier guys at this point. Yeah, because we were talking about earlier is like you you want – if a guy can play, you hope that he can. But at a certain point, if it's detrimental to put him out there because he is so hurt and trying to play through it and it ends up hurting you more than helping you, then I, you know, you probably have to go with the guys that are are healthier. Yeah, and if a if a week off helps the guy, you know, yeah, like absolutely. Mason Richmond, know we're you know we know he's dealing with that bruise, uh, bone bruise or whatever still, mm-hmm. and some other stuff. But you know, could another week help him out? Um, I know it's crunch time and everyone wants to play, but uh, I don't know. It's it's a real interesting juggling act right now. And I know we get asked about Dejan Parker all the time, but he just doesn't seem to be in the mix. So. Uh, another name that came up today, Cade Peeper, true freshman from Nebraska. Um, sounds like he's the best ready. You know, he's close to being ready to go uh, at guard. Maybe not this year, but that's Jennings Dunker talked about him quite a bit today. So uh, at least they're they're seeing some signs of depth there, and they just didn't have this depth in 2021 or 22. So that's a bonus. Yeah, and we saw uh, Jennings Dunker where we talked to him today, but. Not not that we haven't already been around him, but like he's just mat like a massive human being. Like his being up close next to him. I know you probably I think you were around him more of like just hearing what this him eating, what he does to like maintain and uh I don't know if you wanna ten thousand calories on game days, nine thousand the day before games, only like five or six thousand today and tomorrow. Only only yeah, that's a light year. <laughs> so and he said he's throwing up but he said you just got to keep eating uh but then he was like kind of contradicting himself too so he said he was up to like the mid 340s during august camp uh and they want his weight at 329 very specific but 329 is what they want him at he's listed 320 um but he's like i don't want to i need to make my weight he's like i'd rather die than not make weight so he's very focused on all this and someone asked him like are you, does everyone like eat during like between series like you do? He's like, no, not really. <laughs> so he's just a goofy guy, fun guy, awesome interview, really enjoyed it. But yeah, uh, Jennings Dunker, man, hay bale champion and uh, eater of gummy bears, sports drinks, waffles, bananas, and apples uh, during like locker rooms, games, all this stuff. Like he's he's piling in. Just constant food. Yeah, his well, his his legs are like the size of my torso, probably. Like, <laughs> he's just yeah. That's what I also and I, this might be a little more off topic, but like I know there's a discussion of like when Iowa went to a different strength coach, uh, did that affect the offensive line play? And to me, it's 
I don't know, maybe there's an argument there, but like these guys are just massive and, you know, it feels like they're as big and strong as they've ever been. You know, obviously I haven't been around here, but I can't imagine too many guys that are probably bigger or stronger than Jennings Dunker. Yeah. Size wise, this is as big as I was really ever had, um, you know, you know, six, six, 315 plus pretty much across the board, except at center with Logan Jones, a smaller guy, but um, you know, if Ellsbury's in there, you really got a big line right now. So um, let's move to our second topic, Tyler, which is Caleb and Caleb uh, two deviating storylines. Uh, let's start with maybe the more encouraging or more promising, which is Caleb Brown gets his first catch the other day. Uh, you got a chance to talk to him quite a while today. Uh, I know the guy has one catch at Iowa for 23 yards, did have one at Ohio State for five yards against Iowa, by the way. But what did you learn today from Caleb Brown, who was, uh, you know, basically not dressed a couple of weeks ago to making the biggest catch potentially of this season so far for the Hawkeyes? First, he's just a a really he, – he seems to have a lot of perspective for someone that's really young, very well-spoken, um, you know, basically him trying to work through this season of where he came in with a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, transferred in from Ohio State, former four-star recruit. Um, that hasn't really panned out exactly as expected this season uh, with him basically just having two carries against Western Michigan, nothing else up to that Northwestern game. But uh, to put, you know, all of the fault on him, I think would be overblowing it because Cade McNamara is out. Uh, Iowa's past game has basically taken a nosedive. And on top of that, the uh, the wide receivers have, have struggled, uh, you know, as a whole. And uh, but no, but he, you know, being able to come in and just such a timely catch in such a big spot where Iowa really, really needed something. And the, the other thing, too, is that with just the, all the Brian Ferentz, you know, with the news that came out about him not coming back, after this season, I thought uh, Caleb Brown's answer was was really telling about him. He said, uh, it's a tough situation. I think highly of Brian and I'm just going to leave it at that. This is a real this is real life things. You know what I mean? And it's kind of tough to see the way that social media kind of handles it. But I definitely got respect to him. It's not like he's out here trying to w- wing it or anything like that. I see his intention. So I'm um, just a very mature guy. Seems like he handles himself very well. And, you know, paid off, you know, with the one catch against Northwestern. Yeah. Anything else, uh, you know, you learned today about him? Like, did he expect to have a bigger role? Uh, He had, I think I did my DVR uh, Monday column and I wrote that he had 14 snaps in Iowa's previous five games combined. He gets 18 in this game, Uh, even has two Jersey numbers in this game. Um, uh, no clarity on whether he's going to wear three or 81 going forward or no, I'm not sure. And it, that was actually kind of like a funny wrinkle into everything of basically Cooper <laughs> playing on off. Cause usually they're both number three and Cooper's obviously, obviously usually on defense, Caleb on offense. So there's no issue, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, he changed numbers mid game. Uh, he was like 81 as a big old Jersey, but, uh, uh, yeah, like he's one catch in with, uh, with 81. So. So Kirk Ferentz today did say, for you guys that didn't catch it, that, uh, you know, bigger opportunity now for Caleb Brown. This is like 
you know, you show you can do something now. Hey, we'll give you a little bit more leash. And it sound like sounds like Deontay Vines might be banged up a little bit. So, you know, could we see more um, more Nico slash Seth Anderson slash Caleb Brown yeah. uh, this Saturday against Rutgers? Now we realize the quarterback situation isn't you know changing, but uh, but yeah, it's something. And they need to get something in the past game. So maybe, you know, I feel like that's something to at least be positive and hopeful about if you're a Hawk fan. It's Caleb Brown. Could he emerge as somebody down the stretch here? Because I will really need something in the past game. Yeah. And it's not like he's, you know, back at Ohio State where he's behind Chris Olave or, you know, right. it, like, like I would need someone like him that can make plays that's dynamic. So I think you, you make as, you know, I know it's been – made earlier this season of like trying to get him the ball more. But I think, I mean, there's really not much harm in, in trying to make a concerted effort to get the ball in his hands. Cause you need offensive playmakers. You need someone that can, you know, lightning in a bottle, uh, something like that to just make something happen offensively. And, and he seems like a guy that can definitely do that. Yeah, but should be, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see it. that's part of the, you know, one of the storylines I'm looking forward to Saturday, how much more Caleb Brown can we see? Uh, against Rutgers. Uh, speaking of Caleb's second half of this conversation is Caleb Johnson, who did not play against Northwestern. It was a bit surprising for those of us in attendance. He was at the game, warmed up, everything. Uh, someone uh, privately told me that uh, they thought he was hurt. However, Kirk Ferentz said he was not hurt, or did, at least did not say he was hurt. He said, coach's decision. LeSean Williams and Jazz Patterson got all the carries uh, among running backs against the Wildcats. So uh, interesting, huh? What did you make of Kirk Ferentz's answer? Much more clear about Caleb Johnson than than I expected, honestly. Yeah, he basically – I just pulled it up here. He said there's no drama or nothing going on. Just playing the guys right now that have practiced the best and practiced best throughout the bye week and our minds have played the best at this point. It's open competition. So – he basically was based on that answer. It indicates it was like a coach's decision of he wasn't doing what he was something in practice or, you know, he just wasn't performing well, which I don't know, man. It's just, uh, you know, and LeSean Williams has been really good. You know, he, he has been a big part of the offense, but for Caleb, not even to get like a chance out there is kind of head scratching to me because he has that kind of big play ability. We've seen him break some of those big runs and basically Iowa can take anything it, it needs on offense, it, you know, or anything it can get, I might say. And to take out, I mean, I would, I would think he was probably one of Iowa's best offensive players at this point. And to just take him out of the fold uh, totally is, is a little bit, I, I don't know. I probably don't agree with it. Like, I don't know the whole picture of what's going on, but uh, you know, for him just to basically be left as an afterthought in that game, you know, I, to me, I was I was surprised by that. Yeah, you almost have to think there's more to the story um, that we don't know. That he, you know, if we could have, give him some truth serum, there's probably something that happened, but maybe not. You know, maybe uh, they just really. I mean, certainly there's a lot to like with Leachon Williams. I mean, what he did at Wisconsin was notable. He essentially carried Iowa to that win offensively in that game, had almost all their yards. Uh, but to, to give Jazzy and Patterson the nod over Caleb, uh, yeah, they've each had one real explosive run this year. But 
you know, I feel like if you're trying to give, you know, make kind of a complimentary styles, then Leshawn and Caleb is is your best one-two punch because Jazzian is a lot like Leshawn in terms of runs hard, uh, not a lot of cuts. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, uh, you know, run as hard as you can and get as many as you can before they tackle you. And Jazzian takes some hard hits. So uh, anyway, just – but then it was interesting though too, Tyler, that, you know, uh, one of I think Ferentz threw in a comment like, "Hey, he Caleb Johnson had a good game against Rutgers last year, so maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll be a factor this week or something like that." So uh, I don't know. Uh, another little interesting wrinkle to watch in the in the running game, but yeah, you would think you would want as many playmakers as you can. That's why I feel like there's got to be more to the story anyway. Yeah. Well, and the other, I mean, his the trajectory of his season has just been. Uh, really up and down because he came in after a really good freshman season where uh, it felt like he could be a breakout guy, um, then gets injured early on in the season, you know, plays the first two games, but but misses uh, the next handful, comes back. Was it against Purdue that he went off, I think, where he, he had a really big game? Yep. Yeah, Purdue. really good, really good game game coming back. And then since then, uh, he's been kind of quiet and then to the point where he's not even getting a touch against Purdue. So it's really, I mean, it just, it's, it seemed to be a real up and down season and not all of it is his fault, you know, with, with being injured and not even, you know, getting a chance on the field uh, against Northwestern, but it, it definitely hasn't been, I think the, uh, the type of season that fans envision him kind of breaking out and being that clear number one running, you know, dominant running back, um, among all the other things that have not gone as expected, you know, for the offense this season. All right. So we don't have a rock solid third topic, but um, there are a few things that people messaged to talk about, which would be bowl game scenarios. Haven't really talked about those yet this year. Uh, Nick Brooks's decommit from Cedar Rapids Kennedy, the old lineman, the four star uh, who decommitted today, right, right while we were writing stuff. Uh but beyond those two things, is there anything else like you feel like we missed here today that we should be talking about that we're not? Um, I don't think so. Jay, Jay Higgins was asked about uh, the, uh, I guess, the profile of his father in, uh, on, oh, social, was he? Yeah, on, social, yeah. on social media. And he basically said he wanted to do an experiment where Jay tweets out something and his dad tweets out something and they're the exact same thing. And he said his, he's sure his dad will get more likes or whatever. <laughs> it was like they were standing outside a Wrigley Field and uh, people were just coming up to his dad and not him. He was like, they probably don't even know who I am without the jersey on. So. That is hilarious. But Jay, I mean, Jay, but Jay's having an insane, insanely good season. Yeah. I, let's talk about Jay Higgins because we haven't even talked about the defense today. We haven't talked. We'll probably talk about Cooper DeGene a little bit more on our show tomorrow. Um, he's hoping to play some more offense, uh, kind of being coy about it. So I, my, my sense is that he would play some more this week. So that'll be fun to watch, but yeah, Jay Higgins, man, second in the country in tackles. Uh, every time I, I watch him play, it's like, uh, it's like, man, that was, that might've been his best game. That might've been his best game. That might've been, you know, this Northwestern game, he was fantastic. He just absolutely clobbered that quarterback a few times. Uh, he was instrumental in that goal line stand. He calls the defenses. Uh, I asked him today about sign stealing. He's like, yeah, we don't really need to steal signs because we, you know, we have all the tells figured out on on film, you know. And um, I mean, just unbelievable that he is 
has he's in the Butkus semi semifinalist. I mean, we that was unthinkable when we were talking about this season. He'd hardly ever played before. <laughs> I think I mean he's pretty clearly like one of the best linebackers in the country. Like I think there's an yeah. argument for him being the best linebacker in the country. Yeah. And 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 it's actually crazy how quickly the the narrative has gone from well, how is Iowa going to replace Jack Campbell to how is Iowa going to replace Jay Higgins? Because yeah, right. He, he can come back next year. He was actually asked about that and basically was just he gave the answer you would expect of like I'm not making a decision now. I'm focused on the season, all that. But it's like how I think people expected him to be able to at least competently like move into that role. But like the the fact that he is like just so quickly turned in to one of the best linebackers in the country is crazy. And maybe, maybe I should not say so quickly because the process that it took to get to this point was not quick at all of him waiting his turn, but just in, in the scope of this season, how, you know, him getting consistent playing time, how quickly he's been able to be so good. And he's fun to watch. I mean, he, it, that's one of the fun parts of watch, you know, as bad as Iowa's offense is, the defense is just fun to watch because Jay Higgins, I mean, he's out there calling signals like a madman. I mean, he is, it, yeah. it is just, you can just see the passion and um, how, how much energy he gives. And it's, it's just fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, uh, he stayed healthy. Uh, Nick Jackson also just playing. He's another one that I think continues to play his best games every single week. And we got to talk to Kyler Fisher today. And uh, man, what a, you know, he's had an impressive year as well. We could see a lot of Kyler Fisher this week against Rutgers, uh, probably a lot of 4-3 for the Hawkeyes this week. So, um, you know, the linebackers probably going to get a chance to shine in a, in a game with an over-under of 29. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess let's uh, let's give a, lot, a few minutes here, Tyler, just to talk about, yeah, what, you know, postseason. Um, I think the first and foremost, you and I are focused on, you know, can they make the Big Ten postseason? Um, so, uh, the scenarios, again, we kind of laid them out in our post-game pod. Um, you know, this week is not necessarily a hundred percent critical to making the big 10 title game, but you know, if you do go, you'd like to be 10 and two. So, uh, the key ones would be to win that head to head against Nebraska. And then you need, um, you know, Minnesota to lose to Ohio state in a couple weeks. So those would be the two key results you need. But if Iowa can win this week and next week against Illinois, there are scenarios in which that Nebraska game, you know, you wouldn't even necessarily need that victory to win the Big Ten West. So uh, a ton at stake this week in terms of, you know, where the Hawkeyes go, not only uh, for the Big Ten title game, but also bowl games. It, it wouldn't surprise me if there's just more chaos. There's three games <laughs> left. That's yeah. plenty of time for some crazy to happen. Because if you look at just what's happened over the last few weeks, like I went from beating Wisconsin to, okay, they got, they're controlling their own destiny in the West to losing to Minnesota. And, oh, now they need some different things to happen to be able to get to the Big Ten championship. And then just, I mean, Saturday was just all over the place with all the teams in the West losing, Iowa winning in an ugly game. And now Iowa's back to the top of the West and controlling their own destiny. And three games is plenty for something else to come up. And so I would be, <laughs> I would be surprised if it's as simple as it seems right now. Yeah. That's a good, that's a really good point, Tyler. It's really kind of a fool's errand to try to talk about bowl scenarios. We don't even have any, 
you know, when anything could change uh, with the West every week. But, uh, you know, the, a couple of the things out there we've seen most projected would be the Citrus Bowl, which would mean, yeah, uh, that would mean Penn State would go to the New Year's Six. I'd be, I wonder if they'd get knocked down to the Citrus. But uh, Iowa in the Citrus, Iowa in the old Outback, which uh, uh, I think it's called something different now. And then uh, the Las Vegas Bowl. That's definitely my favorite at the moment just because it is uh, uh, Relia Quest Bowl. Thank you, Dargan. Um, the Vegas Bowl, because that's December 23rd. That would be like total life-changing uh, thing to be done with football before Christmas. That's not really happened um, <laughs> very often in uh, Iowa sports writers' life. So yeah, any favorites I, for you? Where do you, you want to go? I'll – I mean, somewhere warm, I guess. That's pretty much a guarantee. Okay, well, then I'm all right. But actually, because one of the matchups, and I don't know how plausible this could actually be, but for Iowa to play USC, I think would be really interesting. Yeah, that is a possibility. You wouldn't have Caleb Williams. Yeah, I mean, that's one factor to it. But uh, basically, just to see the two, like, drastic, you know, Iowa's defense is just incredibly good. USC's offense is really good, and then USC's defense is horrible, and Iowa's offense is horrible. Just to like see that dynamic because they're basically the inverse of each other, and you know maybe Iowa's offense could get going, but like something in that defense, that matchup between Iowa defense and USC offense would have to give. But I mean, that's looking way ahead, and who knows if it'll happen. But yeah. that's just one comes to mind that might be interesting. Yeah, just so just so you guys know, those are kind of some of the three of the top prospects out there. But I guess the one thing I just thought of, if, if it is December 23rd, maybe that limits the chance for Luke Lachey to return to a bowl game. He might need just a little bit more time. So, That's true. Um, you know, but selfishly wouldn't mind the December 23rd date. But anyway, well, thanks, yeah. Tyler. We'll talk again tomorrow on our Hawk Central radio show. For those who don't know, that airs 6 to 7 p.m. on KXNO in Des Moines. We should find out tomorrow. Well, we may find out tomorrow. I'm not going to say we should. Whether Noah Shannon is approved for these final three games or not, Kirk Ferentz not hopeful today, uh, but I think that's just him being pessimistic. Uh, we will see. They're supposed to have this committee meeting tomorrow, so either they're going to approve it or probably not. Uh, so I guess we will see. So yeah. we'll have some some news tomorrow. Basketball tonight as well. Basketball Iowa, tonight. Iowa men's basketball season over North Dakota at Carver Hawkeye. So that's why we're doing this a little early. Tyler yeah. will be there seven o'clock. BTN plus, and then of course the women play Thursday night seven o'clock against number five ranked Virginia Tech. So from Charlotte, Dargan Southern will be there for us uh, for the Des Moines Register. Anyway, wall to wall stuff right now. Check out our coverage for Tyler Tashman, Chad Lays to Code, Des Moines Register, HawkCentral.com. Uh, talk to you very soon.